It's time for Bring It Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Bring It Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a bunch of stuff to cover. As always, Nate Blazing is going to drop by, let us know how opener was for him here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. Ray Gildo stops in. He's got uh, the latest from Winnie and Leach and some uh, information on the last couple of year classes out on Mille Lacs and how they've been doing, plus a firsthand report on how fishing's been out on Mille Lacs with Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service, plus a little information on uh, how they're expanding the elk season here in Minnesota. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And time for our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby. Oars and Mine can set you up with a full line of live bait and tackle, a new rig, fishing reports, and the perfect dock arrangement for your lakeside living. The gateway to the Cuyuna Lakes area, Oars and Mine, on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we kick the show off with our local report. As always, Nate Blazing joins us, S&W Guide Service. And uh, I guess we'll start off, Nate, because you're going to kind of give us a report what you did over opener here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. But the, the big news that came out earlier this week is the fact that you guys can start guiding again. Yep, that is absolutely the big news. And we found that out, uh, you know, shortly after the governor's address. And it is big news for the you know, entire state of Minnesota and the the guide community. It's a big part of the tourism thing. Um, You know, there's still some concerns, but with some of the safety procedures in place that came along with it, I think we'll be able to make it work. Uh, Might have to make some adaptations from our normal procedures in terms of, you know, having clients ride with you in the vehicle and three to four people in a boat. Uh, That isn't going to happen at this point. We're, we're maxed out at up to two clients and the guide. So, um, I think it's a good thing overall. It's going to give people the opportunity if they feel comfortable doing it. Great. Um, and a lot of people do, you know, uh, rely on that income. So uh, that was a positive thing. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people are glad to see that. What was the big challenge with that, Nate? And the fact because a lot of people will tell you they're like, why on earth would guides not be able to guide outside of the social distancing? But a lot of people think, you know, you're outside and what, what's the difference? But there's a lot of handling with nets and, and fish and, and grabbing rods and reels and stuff like that. That probably was the big challenge, huh? Right, I think so. And, you know, I've had this discussion with quite a few people, actually. And I will say everyone's got their own feeling on this, just like the whole COVID thing in general. And so I try and respect others' opinions on it, too. Um, but some of the complicating factors is, again, how many people you have in that boat. And uh, a lot of times we end up baiting hooks for people or you get a big fish on and you get excited and you might start off six feet apart. Next thing you know, you're touching each other, you're touching landing nets, all the rods. Um, So there's a lot of variables that, you know, it might seem easier on the surface, but once you get into the action of stuff, I think you're really going to have to make a conscious effort. Uh, It can be done by all means, but it's just going to be, we're going to have to be aware and it's going to change a little bit of the normality of how we went about things. So I think, so much of it is just cognitively thinking about it and being aware of it. It'll take care of it. But, you know, how many times when you're out with a client, you get excited, you get a big fish, something like that, you're giving high fives, you're giving hugs. And so <laughs> it's going to take a while not to do that kind of reactionary thing. So I think those were part of the, you know, thoughts that uh, why they were a little hesitant at first until we show, show that there are safety procedures that, that we can do this safely. So. 
Yeah. So like you and I were talking off air, you know, we're kind of making our way through this day by day, almost uh, hour by hour, minute by minute, things change. So we'll have to continue to keep an eye on things there. How was opener for you? Well, do you want to start with the fun stuff of the weather? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I'm sure you've pretty much heard that same statement from pretty much everyone you're having on. Um, You know, like we talked about last week, the opener, you see such a wide range of of weather, you don't know what to expect, and we were kind of expecting cold and so forth, but I I don't think I was ready for what happened. Uh, it was actually nicer earlier in the morning, real early, and then it started raining a little bit, probably mid-morning, and uh, that was getting a little miserable with the temps, but when that snow first started, it was kind of pretty, and then when she started coming down, holy cows, uh, hands were numb, and uh, you know, we started heading in probably about 11:30 to noonish. We were on golf, and it was coming down so hard that without glasses, you couldn't stay on plane because your eyes were getting pelted. It hurt. You'd come down, or you put your glasses down, and you couldn't see because they would freeze up. And by the time we got home, I put the gra- or the boat in the garage, and uh, honestly, we had close to two inches of snow on that thing. I had to shovel it out so there wasn't standing water all over my garage. So it was definitely one I will remember. Um, I think I froze my dad's hands pretty good, so that wasn't necessarily a good thing. But uh, it it leads for good stories, so you can go back and say, remember that fishing opener in 2020? So, yeah. Um, The fishing overall, though, I would say the activity around the Brainerd area, again, we were on Gull, it was was pretty quiet um, in terms of how many boats were out there. But uh, part of that I do think was greatly a result of the weather because Thursday and Friday at the bait shop, um, Sherry was saying it was one of her better years and lots of people coming through, lots of boats. Um, I think a lot of people woke up and kind of looked outside or heard the forecast and said, eh, I might wait off and hold off on that. And I think that's just what happened. And then uh, Sunday we had quite a bit of wind that was not real fun to deal with. And when I got off the water, I saw a lot of boats heading south. So I think that was, you know, played into a lot of people's decisions, which if they didn't fish, uh, they might have made a smart decision because <laughs> as much as I love to be out there, it was not the funnest of conditions to deal with. So, You know, and now going into this weekend, and this is so typical Minnesota, Nate, is the fact that we're probably going to have the exact opposite of what we had last weekend. Now it's looking like we could see upper 70s for highs with sunshine. How does that change your tactics now? Does anything change? Well, I don't think it necessarily changes. It was what I was hoping for this weekend. So I guess it'd be a soft reset of opener 2.0 this weekend, where I think the vast majority of people that wanted to get out there this last weekend didn't. And I think the masses will be out this weekend. Um, You know, again, the fishing overall, I would say was pretty slow around here. Gull, we definitely got some nice fish. Um, the numbers weren't great. It was one here or there, and they were all females, larger fish that we let go. I think they were pretty much 21 to 26 inches was our biggest. Um, but you had to really work for them, and you could see them. So, again, shallow water. Uh, with the water temperatures dropping, though, I think that also affected the bait fish. And there were starting to be a, a shiner run right before opener. That cold front came in, cooled the water down, and those shiners quit running. So, uh, we looked up in the sh- shallows, and you could not see any shiners anywhere. Um, we were fishing around a lot of little perch. You'd snag them in the walleyes that I talked to guys on gull that clean fish. They were absolutely gorged with little perch and sunfish. So um, that goes into the presentation going forward now is, you know, try and mimic 
uh, that perch color, that shiner stuff. The shiners usually run around 57 degrees, so it won't take too long with the sun high in the sky that that's going to warm up, especially those sand flats up. And then you'll see the bait fish there, and that's what really gets stuff going, and the bite's going to start happening. So um, our ticket, for the most part, was a jig and minnow, uh, kind of like I talked about last week. Uh, once you saw those fish, if you backed off on them or came back a little later and let them kind of regroup, they were there, and you just did long casts to them. The interesting thing, the fish that bit, it was a very weird bite. It wasn't like they were hitting it real hard. A lot of times, the vast majority of the fish, you thought you were snagged on a weed. So you'd go to kind of pull it off that weed, and all of a sudden you'd feel a head shake. And so I'd say 75% of our fish came that way, um, which is a little surprising when you're talking a three, four, five-pound walleye that, you know, it was that light of a bite. So um, I've tried rapplas, tried plastics. Uh, we had mild success on some of that stuff, but, again, jig and minnow was, was by far the best. Um, spot tails, again, were hard to come by. We had a few, so we used rainbow minnows, or rainbow chubs, I should say, and golden shiners and caught fish on all those. So I think for the most part, if you had some meat on there and it was a slow presentation, that was the key. Um, talked to several groups that had really good success actually trolling crankbaits. Um, in the low light hours, whether it's the middle of the night, early in the morning, or right at the sun going down, um, those folks on numerous area lakes seem to by far have the best fishing results. So I don't think that's going to change. It should only get better, and I think you'll see a lot more people doing that. So uh, if you got some some time in the evening, you might want to get out there and troll some rapplas. And the depth, again, it's been anywhere from that 15 feet to 4 foot of water. You just kind of go back and forth and zigzag until you find a pattern. But uh, once that bait fish gets up the gets going, those fish will probably even push a little shallower. One of the things, too, in talking to anglers going into the opener, I talked to a lot of people, and that was going to be kind of my plan before things kind of went a little sideways for me on the weekend. But um, we're going to you know, go after crappies, and I think these colder water temps, is it me or do these crappies go deep again? Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, this spring has been so odd. It's it's just a game with the crappies. It's like in, out, in, out, in, out. Um, when we were getting off the water on Sunday, I talked to a buddy that was actually chasing crappies, and it took him a little while, but same thing like we talked about before. They found them, and right before dark they did really well, and they just backed off of the normal spots where they had been. Um, a little deeper water, they found some green cabbage in that eight-foot range um, and did really well with crappies and some really nice ones. And I didn't target walleyes or crappies because I was looking for walleyes, but I talked to several other groups that said the same thing. So, like I said, if you're not finding them shallow, they're not too far away, the next thing would be look a little deeper and you might have to alter your presentation a little bit, but uh, they're there. So with this sun coming up now here this next coming week, I think it'll get back to the more traditional stuff. Those fish will move into the shallows again, whether it's sight fishing or, you know, um, it'll be a lot easier for folks to catch them on all the area lakes. So I think that's going to be definitely a, a thing that people will be looking forward to here in the next couple of days. Last thing, Nate, before we let you go, you talked about uh, that Fish Donkey app uh, that you guys are doing through the Walleye Alliance. Uh, did you guys get some good response on that? We did, and it's really turning into a lot of fun. Uh, we've got quite a few folks entered, and I want to say, too, though, you can still enter. You can enter any time up until the end of the tournament, which is the end of May. 
the only thing is you have to enter it before you catch the fish. So before you get out fishing and you think you want to do it, enter it, and you'll read the instructions. Um, the clarifying point that we ran into this weekend on a couple of folks is, and the app goes through it, but just to kind of concentrate on it, is when you catch a fish, you got to take the pictures through that app because the app pictures actually timestamp it. So you get one picture showing the entire fish on the bump board so you can see the head and the tail and then another fi- uh, picture of you actually holding the fish and submit those. Because we did run into some issues with pictures taken through the regular camera part of the phone, and unfortunately we're not able to use those. So once we got through that, I think everyone really is enjoying it. It's kind of fun. To, you can see the active leaderboard as soon as someone catches one. So it's kind of a competition with your buddies and a bunch of other folks that we don't know that joined. So, so far, so good. And if you're interested, uh, look up Fish Donkey and Walleye Alliance, and you'll see the information on there. How long does that go to again? We're going through the end of May, so basically you got, what, two and a half, three weeks, so you got another couple weeks of of strong fishing, and I think right now there's a couple fish in the upper 25, 26, 27-inch range and quite a few in the mid-20s. I think now that the temps are warming up, those are going to get pushed back and we're going to get a bunch more fish, bigger fish on there pretty quick. So uh, looking forward to that. And yeah, if you're interested, check it out. There you go. Fish Donkey is the app. And that's a free app to download too, right? Yep. Absolutely free app. You can search other tournaments as well. Otherwise Walleye Alliance one, and you can even look at the rules and the prizes and so forth before you enter. So, you know, you can see if it's something that interests you. And if not, there's no cost to it. If you do, it's 50 bucks and yeah, last through the end of may so it's a good time i appreciate it nate uh good stuff as always we'll talk to you soon okay sounds good brian thanks much talk to you soon all right when we come back we'll have the latest from leach and winnie with ray gildow with the nisswa guides league plus on top of that he's got some information on some of the walleye year classes the last couple of years out on malax all that and more when we come back to Brainerd outdoors on b93.3 Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And once again, our good friend Ray Gildow with the Nisswa Guides League joins us. And Ray always keeping a very close eye on what's going on up on Winnie, what's on Leach, and he's also got some information uh, this week on Mille Lacs, too, he's going to share. Uh, how was opener for you, Ray? You know, it could have been a good opener if it hadn't been for a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I fished with my grandson and my son-in-law on Leach, and the first hour, we thought, man, this is going to be a beautiful day. And then the snow came in and the rain came in. And my grandson is a senior at UMD, but he didn't have enough warm clothes. He didn't have his high-tech rain gear. He got wet and cold, and so we quit about noon. And we didn't actually get out again because uh, we're on the south end of Leech. And uh, Sunday was really windy. So we fished for about three hours. We caught about three walleyes. And uh, there were, uh, were people were catching walleyes, and we I think we would have done all right if we could have stood to stay out there. But we just thought, well, we're going to wait until it warms up, and we'll have a more a lot more fun. Did you see a lot of boats out there on Leech uh, over opener, Ray? It was really unbelievable. Uh, we started out on um, Pine Point, and we got a walleye right there. And I suppose there were about forty boats on Pine Point. But uh, the best action um, on the opener is usually over on the west side where it's a little shallower 
a little muddier, warms up a little faster. So we headed over that way, and so we ended up about 10 miles away from where we put the boat in. And uh, the Narrows, uh, on the Walker Narrows, Star Point, Little Hardwood, Big Hardwood, were just all packed, which is good to see. But I, I, you could tell that people were ready to get out and do some fishing. And uh, there were hundreds of boats, just hundreds of boats in some of those places that we fished. So it was hard to even find a place where you could go and get along the area where you wanted to fish just because there was so much traffic. But, but it, was, it was fun. Um, until the snowstorm came, and then we had to drive back against it, and that took the fun out of it. Um, it was interesting because I talked with uh, High Banks, up, came up at the High Banks, and they didn't get any snow. It stayed south of Winnie, and uh, Saturday was a real good day up that way. Most people did really well on jigs and minnows, rainbows and fatheads, because nobody had any spot-tailed chubs. And... Uh, it was a very good day. They were doing well in 5 to 10 feet of water. And then Sunday, they got the same wind that we got on Leech Lake, and it got really tough. And a lot of people had to go up to Cutfoot Sioux, which is uh, to the north, and that's where uh, it's a smaller body of water. A lot of people put in there just because they didn't want to go out and bang into the wind on uh, Winnie. But they were full. Uh, they were uh, busy. Every cabin was full. Again, their, their lodges are opened, but with the new rules coming up now, uh, that'll be able to eventually be open. But right now, they're still just can uh, deliver food and things uh, through the doorway, so to speak. And uh, so Winnie was really, it was, it was good. And as, as we talked about a little bit last week, the, the fish populations on Winnie are looking really strong. There's some strong class fish there. So I think that's going to just get better and better as the water warms up. So Leach was, I would say, it was decent, and people, a number of my friends that were just fishing two to the boat the way they were supposed to, filled out, got their eight fish, and this year you can keep one over 20 inches, so that makes it a little easier to get a, a limit than it did uh, last year, or about two years ago, rather. So those uh, northern lakes were pretty good and, uh, until the wind came up, and uh, it's interesting because the lakes have cooled down again this, this past week. We had temperatures in the 27, 28 range and uh, cooled the water temperatures down again, which um, you know, can slow down the fishing a little bit too at times. Uh, but this weekend now and this coming week, it's going to be nice and warm, and that should really, really help. In the Brainerd area, uh, Gall Lake was pretty spotty with that cold front that came through, and it was snowing there too. Uh, are there are a few fish being caught, but I wouldn't say it was a hot bite. And the same thing with North Long and Pelican, uh, pretty spotty, uh, cold water yet. Um, you know, Gall is deep, and uh, Pelican's got plenty of deep water in it too, as, as does North Long. So I think once those bodies of water warm up a little bit now in the coming week and weeks ahead, uh, that should get better. Uh, that colder water temperature also is making it just about impossible to get spot-tailed chubs, or spot-tailed shiners, rather. I talked with Sherry at S&W Bait, which is just one of the bait shops in the Brainerd area, and she said there was no problem getting rainbows and uh, fatheads, crawlers, leeches, but spot-tailed chubs were just impossible to come by. So they need 56 to 58 degree temperatures on that uh, when they go in and stay in those lakes before they can really get the spot tails. So that's probably another week away, and that should start picking up a little bit too. Um, 
Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, leaf sl- or, uh, malacs. A lot of people fish malacs, even though this year you can't keep any walleyes on malacs, and they have a, a number of rules. But the DNR came out with a, a forecast for the lake, and I think some of this is interesting and worth sharing with our uh, listeners today. Uh, walleye is a fish of interest to the majority of anglers there, and after a series of weak year classes from 2009 through 2012, they've seen a lot better survival of young walleye. In particular, the 2,000-year class, which is the third strongest year class produced since annual sampling began in 1979. With the restrictive regulations that have been in place in recent years, walleyes from this year class have survived very well and are going to be in a large portion of what walleye anglers catch. These walleyes currently range from 17 to 22 inches in length, and the 2017th year class is also very strong, and anglers will notice a fair abundance of these walleyes, which this spring and summer are probably going to average about 13 inches in length. In addition to these fish, good numbers of older, larger walleyes are also present. The oldest walleye sample last fall, I listen to this, Brian, was a 23-year-old female that was 27 inches long. That's the oldest one that they've, they caught. Uh, anglers experienced a very high catch rate of walleyes throughout the summer last year, and even this winter, and a lot of people went to Mille Lacs because Leech Lake and Red Lake, uh, the ice conditions were so terrible, it just wasn't very good for fishing. And um, we think that those, the, the DNR thinks those early high rate catches will probably continue into the early part of summer. The second most targeted species on the lake is the smallmouth bass. Few anglers choose to harvest a smallmouth bass, but the opportunity to catch a trophy-sized individual is what draws anglers to that lake. Smallmouth bass sampling last spring indicated a very high-quality population with fish from 16 to 20 inches forming the bulk of the sample. Several individuals were over 21 inches in their sampling. And then just uh, for anglers to be aware, there are several new regulations on the lake. Um, Heavy fishing pressure in the winter of 2019 and 2020 and the high catch rate has left a lower amount of the state's harvest allocation of walleyes remaining for the open water fishing. And as a result of this, fishing for walleyes will be catch and release all summer except for July. And in this July, it's, it's not going to be legal to fish for walleyes at all. And uh, the reason they do that is because of the warm weather, the hooking mortality causes a lot of fish to die. So during the warmest part of the year, July, it will be closed. This means anglers cannot target walleyes during the closure. In addition to the closure, anglers may not use any type of live bait commonly used when fishing for walleyes. So we're talking about uh, minnows, uh, crawlers, and leeches. And then just one other thing. There's a new regulation on the lake for a smallmouth bass and northern pike. Uh, they uh, were allowing a pretty uh, liberal harvesting of northern pike, and I think they got the results they wanted, so they're cutting back a little bit on those. Uh, the smallmouth bass regulation has been changed from 17 to 21-inch protected slot, and the uh, northern pike has gone from a 30-inch maximum size now to a 30- to 40-inch protected slot combined with a reduction in the position limit from five to three. So the northern pike regulations will apply to the entire open season rather than having a separate regulation during the winter. So those are some things to be aware of uh, if you're going out on Mille Lacs. And it's kind of interesting because we have a, 
a couple of um, catch and release lakes in the central Minnesota, a couple that are for um, trout, and then we have um, uh, Hubert, which is a catch and release for bass. A lot of people are looking at Mille Lacs as a, ba- as a catch and release area for uh, walleyes, which is a, it's a, it's a good thing. If you want to just go and catch some and take pictures, it's a great place to go and catch them because it's got a really good population. And the hope is with this conservative limits this summer, or no limits at all on the walleyes, uh, they'll be able to open that up again next year. So I think that's very encouraging. I know a lot of people don't agree with that philosophy, but um, if the management works out, it's uh, going to smell really good things that come down the road for Mille Lacs. You know, one thing, uh, Ray, Steve and I have always talked about this uh, out of Mille Lacs is the fact that, you know, it's a, a big water, big fish, and like you said, you can't keep anything out there. But the chance of you getting a trophy walleye like the one you just talked about uh, and then releasing that and just clicking a picture. I mean, people go to Canada to pick, you know, take pictures of of walleyes like that up there. And to be honest with you, Canada doesn't really, you can't keep that many fish up there either with the restrictions that they have. So go to Mille Lacs and you don't have to drive all the way to Canada. I mean, and the resorts around there, I mean, they've been hurting. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, to to hear that things are, are really starting to turn around on Mille Lacs, that's very encouraging. It really is. And, you know, um, the tribe, as of this week, uh, had netted about 30,000 pounds of their allocated 62, 63,000 pounds, somewhere in that range. Uh, so there's been really less pressure uh, from the Native American community this year. Uh, and that's partly reason, part of that reason is that a lot of the tribe that's uh, been fishing from Wisconsin hasn't come over here this year. So, um, you know, those, the walleye numbers are looking pretty good. Uh, one of the disadvantages of the, of the spring and the uh, treatment of the virus is that uh, there hasn't been any stocking going on. So I don't think there will be any stocking. It's too late now for almost everything for the rest of the year. But um, the one only fish that they've been really stocking in Mille Lacs the last couple years now have been muskies, and so they won't be stocking them this year. But last winter, last fall, I should say, late fall, almost winter, there were a number of muskies in that 60-inch class, uh, a number that we think even could have been state records that were released. So it's just a fishery that's just really coming back, and it's really got some amazing fish in it. That's good to hear. One last thing, Ray, before we let you go. You mentioned Winnie. You talked about all the... uh boats that you saw on leech when you were fishing out there when you talked to kim up at high banks uh did they see a lot of fishing pressure on on winnie as well they have a lot of, of people up there yeah they had really good turnouts like i said their resort was full every cabin was full and uh, i don't know about uh how many people were in the other uh resorts because i didn't check around but good number of uh, walleye fishermen there and uh, i think the interesting thing will be now when we get nice weather a lot of the people that used to fish Mille Lacs will come to Winnie, um, and I've noticed that when I've been out on the lake before, because um, you know they're hearing good reports on the number there. So, yeah, I think it's been uh, it's been a good turnout so far. Yeah, that's good to hear. Well, that's Ray Gildow, Nisswa Guides League. You can check him out, raygildow.com, and uh, as well as many other places. Ray will join us throughout the rest of the spring and summer with uh, some additional information. Always appreciate it, Ray. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? All right. Thanks, Brian. 
All right, when we come back, how was the opener out on Malax? We'll ask Steve Sapodiak with Predator Guide Service when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We head out to Malax to get the story out there from Steve Sapaniak. And uh, coming off of uh, the opening weekend and week of fishing, Steve, what was happening out on the uh, big pond out there? You know, Brian, that's a great question. You know, you take a look at what we had Saturday. We had rain. We had snow. We had terrible, terrible conditions as far as any type of fishing goes anywhere in the United States. But Malaxic was kicking butt. The walleye bite was fantastic. It was incredible. You had walleyes caught from east and north, south, west, the whole area. The walleye bite was uh, one of the better ones in many years and really surprised the heck out of a lot of people, Brian. So, yeah, it was a good opener, cold as heck, windy as heck. And if you didn't have a snowmobile suit on, you froze, no doubt. Were there a lot of boats out there? Uh, opening night, you know, 12.01, I was looking around and checking. I seen some nice lights out there. There was boats out there rocking and rolling, not too bad. Come daybreak and everything, checking again, looking around and everything. There was less boats out there. Uh, a lot of friends were out there and everything fishing. And uh, the, the action wasn't like you thought it would be as far as boat traffic, but the fishing action was phenomenal. Everywhere these people went, everywhere people were fishing, they did good. It was just the diehards that stuck in there that did good. I know a report of a group of three guys, 94 fish boated opening day, and another group had 48 fish boated opening day. So that's phenomenal fishing, you know. And I know your next question is presentation probably, and anything and everything Brian you offered, they took it. Yeah, because you always said what you like to do opening on, out on Malax is you just basically like to get a bobber out there and soak a leech and, and sit back and relax a little bit. But, uh, you know, when we talked last week for our opener special, you were saying maybe Lindy rigging wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, casting out really far from the boat might not be a bad idea. So it all worked, huh? It did. It all worked, you know. Uh, jigs and minnows, you know, red-tailed chubs, you know, shiners, fatheads, you know, jigging on the brake line, Brian, worked for a lot of people, many people I know. Jigging on the transition zone where sand went to rubble, small rocks and small rocks, rubble went to bigger rocks, worked great with jig and minnow combination. You know, cast out, you know, uh, jig it up and down or slowly move along the brake line with a trolling motor and jig it all up and down worked great. People soaking a leech below a bobber just a few inches off the bottom did real well. You know, that's my favorite. There is no doubt this time of year. Trolling crankbaits in the evening and um, late at night has been productive, very good. Uh, you can't beat it. I was surprised how many people, though, Brian, were still trolling crankbaits during the day on Saturday and Sunday because it was such dark, overcast conditions, and we're doing really good. But that was the key. It was dark, overcast conditions. The wall, I think, it's still early morning or late evening, so during the shallows yet, and the bite was good. I would imagine, you know, as much as people wanted to target crappies, uh, and I talked to a lot of people that were going to do that over opener, Steve, uh, did, the weather conditions we had probably weren't real conducive for that, huh? 
No, no, it wasn't. Uh, while the walleyes enjoyed it, they didn't matter them at all with the high winds and everything. They just kept biting better and better. When it calmed down, they they slowed down. But with the panfish action, Brian, like you were saying, you know, it didn't help them one bit. The crappie slowed down. The sunnies were starting to go go good. They slowed down also. Well, you're looking for is give it a day or two, which it's been already from the opener and stuff, and we're going to have more action happening with the panfish again, whether it be cold weather conditions and water conditions, they're going to adapt, or whether it warms up, they're going to adapt. So things are going to pick up again and do better. We just need some stable, warmer weather to get things going for us again. One of the things I did over the weekend, I was going through some boxes at home, and uh, I came across uh, my grandmother's pickling fish recipe, uh, from many, many years back, and I got to thinking about you, and I was going to ask you about this, because Malax is known for northern, and I love to pickle northern. And now that I have this recipe, uh, people that are out there maybe targeting those, and even fish, you know, some of those smaller northern and stuff, which, you know, the, the DNR have expanded, you know, the regulations on that because they want some of these smaller northern taken out of the lake. Where would people want to target those right now? Great question, Brian. The back of the bays. You're going to find a lot of small pikes sitting in the back of the bays. You know, they're they're back. They're back there hiding because right now you got an influx of bigger pike, you know, on the spawn and everything. So they'll be, a smaller pike are back there hiding. Small spinner baits, small spoons will take them. What you want to do is concentrate on those small, shallow areas in those weeds cast out to them. And, uh, yeah, you're going to have good luck. The best pickling size is pound, pound and a half, two at the most. You know, just um, cut them, you know, strip them down the center. You can leave the skin on and everything. Uh, and then freeze them for two, three days. What that does is takes care of any kind of parasitic, you know, form that's in them or any kind of tapeworm. And then after they unthaw, you can take the skin off of them or take the skin off beforehand. But, you know, like my wife has a pickling recipe from her great-grandma. Oh, my God, the pickled fish is better than anything you'll buy in a store for pickled herring. That's pickled for, pike wins hands down. That's for sure. Now, even, same thing if somebody wanted a trophy pike, too, wanted to take a picture or something like that, Steve, same concept? Same concept. You're looking at uh, getting them off the spawn. They're going to be in a little deeper water. They're going to be hanging on the edge of the deeper weed beds in the bays. They haven't moved out to the main structure, Brian. So like Cold Bay, Walk-On Bay, Vonnen Bay, Garrison Bay, you know, uh, Isle Bay is a really good spot, and Sunset Bay there on the east side has been good areas. Find the outside edge of the weed beds, you know, inside turns, points, and pockets. That's where the big pike will be staging to feed and everything. They're just coming off the spawn, and they're going to be putting on the feed bag real quick. All right, casting, is that the best thing there, Steve, or you want to do uh, bobber fishing for them as well? Great question, Brian. I, I like bobber fishing with about a six-inch Sacramento. Sit back and, you know, have that Sacramento suspended no more than 18 inches off the bottom. I've said it before, talking to you and I in, in articles I write for Outdoor News, same thing. Pike are notorious scavengers. They're going to grab anything that's near the bottom, live bait or dead bait. Uh, casting, when you're casting, you know, I'd rather cast than troll. Uh, casting, you can get alongside the edge of the weeds and fan cast, put dozens and dozens of casts in a small area and keep moving slowly up and down. Trolling is very effective. I've loved doing it. But when you're trolling, you're going in a straight line, back and forth, back and forth, weaving in and out. So uh, as far as the two goals, casting is first for me, hands down, then Sacramento fishing, and then trolling in that order for me. There you go. It's great stuff. Steve Sapaniak, Predator Guide Service out there on Mille Lacs. You can check him out predatorguideservice.com. I appreciate it, buddy. Uh, Good luck out there this weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you soon. 
My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. I'm Brian Moon. Take a little break from talking fishing, talk a little hunting. The DNR is now accepting applications for elk hunting licenses in northwestern Minnesota for seasons that will be held from late August to early December. This year's seasons are structured now to allow hunters to have more opportunities to harvest antlerless elk. The DNR is offering 44 elk licenses this year. Last year, there were only 27. More seasons and license options are also available this year. Application deadline is June 12th. Uh, Barbara Keller, the DNR Big Game Program Leader, said, quote, there will be better odds of getting an antlerless license, and we hope hunters consider applying for one of these licenses. Elk meat is delicious and fills a far more freezer space than a white-tailed deer, unquote. The DNR is allowing hunters to choose from three options when they apply to harvest an elk, a license for a bull elk, license for an antlerless elk, which can be female or a young male, or a license for either a bull or antlerless elk. Additional hunting seasons will spread out hunting effort from late August to early December. The 44 hunting licenses offered this year are either in Kitson Central Zone with 42 licenses or Kitson Northeast Zone with two licenses. Hunts in these zones focus on the Kitson Central Herd, which seems to be increasing by the year. If you want more information on the actual dates in each zone or how to apply for a license, you can go to the DNR website and check out their elk management page, and there's a lot of great information there. That's going to wrap up this week's show. If you want to catch Brainerd Outdoors, you can do so each and every weekend, just after 7 a.m. Saturday mornings, 7 p.m. Sunday evenings, and 5 a.m. Monday mornings. We also stream the show live at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. We're all over the podcast network, so wherever you download the podcast, uh, you can find Brainerd Outdoors. Just search it, give us a nice rate and review, and check out our sponsors page as well at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Thielen Meats, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3.